Um, no, it's, again, it's good to be with all of you this morning. Since last time I came to share a message with you all, um, there's been a lot that's happened, right? From COVID numbers um, skyrocketing. Now there's also a possibility of a vaccine and also the elections right, has also been huge. So there's been a lot that's, that's happening throughout uh, the, the last month. And with, with all the discussions that's been happening, I think it's fair to say with all these big events happening in, in our lives here in America, all the time we spend on social media or, or reading different online articles, our hearts can tend to be distracted from our heavenly hope. So if we're honest with ourselves, I want to ask a question. When was the last time you longed for heaven? When was the last time you longed for heaven? When, when was the last time we, we honestly asked God to come back again and redeem his people? You see, I think the issue is that we focus a lot on our earthly citizenship, right? from the privileges it brings to the rights, the protections, um, for being a certain citizen of a certain country. And depending on what country citizenship you have, each country has its own benefits, better opportunities when job searching, cheaper healthcare to voting rights. These are just some of the benefits that we have as being a citizen of a certain country. But I think it's my hope this morning to refocus our minds, not on things of this earth, but above where Christ is seated. See, I believe where if we have this eternity perspective, it would enable us to live for something greater, something bigger than ourselves. And with this heavenly citizenship, it actually teaches us not to seek fulfillment or satisfaction or, or peace in relation to politics or relationships that we have here on earth or whatever uh, situations we find ourselves in. But when we're able to truly learn that we're actually citizens of another country, which is heaven, then we're able to live so differently, so radically from those around us. And we're actually able to live with a greater significance and purpose. So before I start this morning, I want to begin with a word of prayer. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, reminding us through politics and relationships and the state of this world that we're living in right now, that you are king and that you are in ultimate control. So, Lord, help us to refocus our eyes and hearts on you this morning. Help us to look towards you and your kingdom and help us to usher in your kingdom here on earth as we await for your second coming. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When it's been nearly four years since Ruth and I, uh, my wife, we packed our luggage bags to make the big move from Australia to the Bay Area. Now, in the coming in the following weeks of our big move, it was sort of this last-minute chaos, right? You can imagine all the people uh, visiting us, all the errands that we had to run. My mom was wanting me to pack this and that. Um, Ruth needed to, to pack all her shoes. And we really had to be intentional about what we packed because it wasn't just going to be this two-week round trip, right? We were coming here to set up a home. And as we were packing and deciding together what to pack, you know, I, I, I came to the realization that I'm not truly home yet. 
You see, this home that I'm coming to set up in the Bay Area is actually not my permanent dwelling place. It's only temporary. Even in Australia, it's not my permanent home. You see, what I am should be reminding of myself is that, hey, as a Christ follower, I'm actually a pilgrim passing through this earth, longing for a heavenly city. See, we're only sojourners of this earth because we are ultimately citizens of heaven. But here's the problem. Living in today's world, especially in the context of the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, the hustle and the bustle, the pressures that we face from our current environment, whether it's be school or in our workplace, even among our peers, we're on this constant, relentless strive for success and efficiency. And we actually become so lost and so indwelled in this environment that our hearts no longer cultivate a longing for heaven. You see, the culture around us have been, has fully convinced us that the life that we have now is our best life. And because of that, I think we start to ignore and lose perspective on eternity and to long for something greater. The reality is we've adjusted to the good life in this world. Like many of you who, your, your parents actually, who've migrated from China, Taiwan, or Hong Kong, or, or anywhere else in the world, you come to America, you, you want to um, set up a place, a home. It's nice, it's comfortable, the weather's great. We've set up homes in Saratoga, Cupertino, Palo Alto. Uh, we buy bigger houses in better locations. We buy nicer cars. We jump from entertainment to entertainment. And I'm not saying any of these things are wrong. But what I'm saying is that if you've noticed, these things don't bring us true and lasting satisfaction. Because the problem is that we're looking in the wrong place altogether. So I think today I, what I want to do is I want to refocus our hearts on a heavenly citizenship that we have especially in light of the election. I want us to focus, refocus our minds and hearts on a heavenly citizenship. And to remind you guys as Christ followers that we actually have another homeland and that's heaven. And that's where we can find ultimate satisfaction, comfort, and peace. Last year, I went to watch uh, uh, one of my favorite movies, um, How to Train Your Dragon 3, right? How to Train Your Dragon 3. And, and the plot summary is basically the main character, which is Hiccup. Um, for those of you who, who have seen How to Train Your Dragon, um, you know the main character is Hiccup. He, he rallies the citizens and dragons to leave their current home and go in search for this hidden world. So as they pack their bags and hop onto their dragons, they start the journey. And after a couple of days, they stop at this island to rest and recuperate. And some of the citizens start to get comfortable and they start setting up permanent tents. And some citizens were like, oh, this is where my double-story home is going to be located. Some are like, this is where my blacksmith shop is going to be set up. And while all this is happening, the main character, Hiccup, the leader He's telling everyone that, hey, guys, this is just a stopover. We're just passing through, and we haven't reached this hidden world yet. But the people start complaining because they're like in this, they like this small island, and they say it's beautiful, it's comfortable, the, the weather's nice. And, and one of the citizens, they scream out, 
well, this place is real, unlike this hidden world. This place is real. And it got me thinking, a lot of us are actually comfortable here on earth because we can see it. We can feel it. We can experience everything this world has to offer. This place on earth is real to us. And honestly, heaven just seems like an abstract concept that or pastors talk about or, or the Bible talks about. But an early church father, St. Augustine, reminds Christians. He says, we are only pilgrims in this world traveling onward to our heavenly home. He says, we are only pilgrims in this world traveling onward to our heavenly home. So my aim today is to encourage you and remind and refocus your hearts on a heavenly citizenship and how it should radically change the way you live when that truth is played out in your lives. So we're going to examine this in, in three parts and, and look at what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God and the benefits that it brings. So the first point of today's sermon is this. As citizens of the kingdom of God, you and I, we have a new homeland. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we have a new homeland. See, when you hear the word citizenship, what immediately jumps into your mind? Does this word prompt you to think about relationships, connections here on earth? Or does this thought trigger, uh, um, does this word trigger thoughts about heaven or eternity? Regardless, citizenship is so important, right? Um, it was only until I did international student ministry, working with people from, uh, from China, Hong Kong, and different Asian countries, I started to realize that, hey, having a citizenship, in, in, in whether it be in Australia, the UK, or America, is actually so precious to them. You can have access to better education, access to better healthcare, access to vote, and you have more work opportunities once you graduate. And in Australia, and, and I'm not sure whether in, in America uh, you guys have the same, but in Australia, there's different schools that are established to help people um, get ahead when it came to doing a citizenship test. They constantly had to um, go to these classes um, to do these citizenship tests, and, and these classes were established to help them and give them that advantage so that when, when the test uh, came up, they would be able to uh, take on the test with no problems. And, and all these students will pay a lot of money and spend a lot of energy in, in going to these institutions to help them have a better chance to get citizenship. And with that citizenship, to bring their parents over from China. And I've met countless of people and agents that would have a whole career getting people citizenship. Why? Because citizenship has all its privileges, its rights, and its protection, and everything that comes with the privileges of having a citizenship. Now, the question I want to propose to you this morning is this. Where is your primary citizenship? Where is your primary citizenship? Now, I'm not talking about whether one is, whether one is a Chinese citizen or American citizen or dual citizen. That's not what I'm addressing this morning. What I'm addressing is, do you actually know that your citizenship is in heaven? Now, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, when he's talking to the uh, Philippi Christians, he reminds them and he says this. In Philippians 3.20, he says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, for the apostle Paul, when he wrote to the Philippians in the first century, while he was still a prisoner in Rome, he sends this letter to his brothers and sisters who, who lived in the city of Philippi. And at that time, Philippi was a colony of Rome. And the Roman Empire was strong in establishing themselves in different locations across the land. Sort of like, I guess, the Chinese Empire, right? They, they were strong. They established themselves all over the place. And these communities were devoted to Rome. And they would promote and preserve and protect her interests from the laws, the language, the customs, the views, the values, the dress, the food, the smells, the entertainment. Everything was distinctly Roman. So when Paul writes about this citizenship in heaven, I believe the brothers and sisters in Philippi knew exactly what Paul was talking about. They would have been very familiar with a concept that, hey, one's identity could be determined by a city far distant from the place of one's birth and residence. Why? Because Philippi at that time was a Roman colony. So Philippi's citizens were Rome's citizens. And the Apostle Paul, he uses this connection to illustrate a reality that though his friends have not yet set foot in this heavenly city where Jesus now rules, that city should define who they are and it determines their destiny. And because of that reality, it must control every aspect of their character and conduct in the present. And that is Related to what Paul used earlier in Philippians 1.27, he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. His, his encouragement to his fellow brothers and sisters is that you need to behave in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. Hey, this is your privileged status as a citizen of heaven. You're not merely citizens of Caesar's city, Rome, but you are citizens of heaven itself, where Jesus is a king, where Jesus is a true savior. So what does this mean? It means that the way we speak, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we work, the way we study, the, the way we reflect the gospel in our missions, in our church, as Christ followers, everything that we do must show others that we are radically different because our primary citizenship is in heaven. You know, the Apostle Peter mentions this in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That, hey, we are actually foreigners and exiles on earth awaiting our inheritance in heaven. But since we are living here on earth, the pleasures of this world are so tempting and enticing. And hence, there's this war that wages within our soul constantly from the morning that we wake up, from the, from the night that we go to sleep. Fighting constantly for our affections. And what we need to do as Christ followers is to abstain from these sinful passions and live in such a way that is so radically different that those around us will not accuse us of doing wrong, but when they see the good deeds that Christ followers do, they end up giving credit to God. A life that is so different to those around us that we point people to something greater than ourselves. When we are selfless, 
when we are considerate of others, it makes people start to question, why are they like this? Why are they behaving in such a way? How come he's not willing to lie or cheat his way up? How come this person is willing to forgive me? And this is something that I have to be constantly reminded of as I remind myself of my primary citizenship in heaven, that I need to walk and behave in such a way that it reflects my primary citizenship in my behavior, in my speech, in the way I serve at church. Now, there's something I want to address at this point. Because there may be some of us, maybe I said, who take to one extreme and think, well, we ought to just constantly think of our primary citizenship in heaven. That all our focus is on heaven, that we should not focus the things of this world. We should live extra holy lives. Now, I just want to say something. When Paul calls to focus on our heavenly citizenship, it doesn't mean that all we do is focus on heaven and not be diligent on the things that God has called us to do right here, right now. Just because we are citizens of heaven doesn't mean we don't need to pay our taxes and obey the rules here on earth. Doesn't mean we, we don't look after planet earth and that we don't have to fight for justice just because we are citizens of another country. I've met a lot of people actually growing up at church that act super holy and try to get away with earthly ob obligations. And one thing that I often hear is this, as long as I am faithful to God and his kingdom, I couldn't care less what other people think of me. Have you heard that before? As long as I am faithful to God, I couldn't care less what other people think of me. Now, please don't understand me. I, I, I'm not saying that faithfulness to God is not important. It's really important. But our actions and speech ought to reflect the gospel. In fact, God created us to be stewards of his creation on earth. And our job is to be managers of this earth and lovers of people, to be a good testimony. And that is our duty on earth. There was a lady back in my old church who, who often would walk around saying this, I'm faithful to God and I couldn't care less what my colleagues think of me. I'm faithful to God. I couldn't care less what my colleagues think about me. Now, I want you for a second to think whether that statement is a good statement or is a bad statement. You know what happened? Her colleagues, when they came to church and they started to tell the pastor, they said that her life does not reflect the gospel at all in the workplace. She's not working hard. She's always trying to get out of work and she constantly comes late to work. You see, understand that we are citizens of heaven but it doesn't mean we are excused from working diligently here on earth. If God has called us to be a student, then we ought to work hard and do our best. If God has called us into the workplace, we ought to work hard as if we were working for the Lord himself. This is not an excuse to say, well, if I'm a citizen of heaven, I can get away with my earthly obligations here on earth. The Apostle Paul in no way denies or minimizes the reality of an earthly obligation. Like for me, Apart from my Australian citizenship, I also have Taiwanese citizenship. I have a Taiwanese passport. And though my whole life I've lived here in Australia, and now, my, now physically I'm in America, I still have obligations 
to Taiwan. I still have obligations to Australia. And Paul reminds the Philippians that though their bodies were in Philippi, their names were enrolled as Roman citizens. They had voting rights. They owed their taxes to an earthly king. They had earthly obligations that they needed to fulfill. So the first point was we have a citizenship and that primary citizenship is in heaven. However, it does not dis, uh, uh, minimize the earthly obligations that we have here on earth. The second point, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we can enjoy the provision of our king. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we can enjoy the provision of our king. In all things, you and I can experience God's provision. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus tells the crowd, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. While our king does not promise health, wealth, and prosperity, or a new Tesla, or a new house, he does promise to provide for our sustenance in this life. You know, throughout my life, because I'm a pretty big eater, uh, I'm constantly always worried about food. But reading this passage, it reminds me that my first priority is to first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything that I need in life, all the sustenance that I need in life will be given to me. And this commitment must come first. It is not to be crowded out by material concerns like food, what to wear, what kind of car to drive, what kind of house to buy. This verse assures us that, hey, if we put God our first priority, our material needs will be provided for. You see, when we constantly focus on the treasures on earth, earthly considerations inevitably dominate our values and thinking. And instead of serving us, these things start to master us, like food, clothing, riches, money, investments. They start to master us. And again, Jesus is not saying that, hey, we just, don't, we just stand there and open our mouths and wait for birds to come and drop steaks in our mouth or, or um, we don't need to work and we're going to get new clothes and, and a new car. That's not what Jesus is advocating. I believe what he's saying is that we need to work hard with what God has given us. And we need to seek his kingdom first. And when we do that, everything else will be provided for. The point is here, our ultimate goal is God's interest. And when we are interested in the things of God, we don't actually need to worry about provision, like what to wear or what to eat or what to drink. Now, my concern for us is not so much having food to eat or having enough clothes to wear. A lot of us, oh, you know, you guys grew up in the Bay Area. A lot of us, we don't lack anything, right? We live in nice cities a nice country. Um, but my concern is this. When we started out in our relationship with Jesus, we are grateful for all the things that he provides to us, right? Relationships, joy, peace. But as we continue on throughout life, the tendency that we Christians have, you know what it is? We start to forget the goodness and the mercy he gives to us. We forget. God's goodness and mercy to us. And we start to develop hearts that believe God owes us good things. You see, somehow in Western Christianity, we have created a, a, a religion that teaches people that 
if you behave yourself, God will give you good things. If you stuff up in the Christian life, God will take away those good things from you. And this is totally wrong. That is not the gospel. We need to be reminded that God is faithful from the very beginning to the end, regardless of our own unfaithfulness. And we can constantly rely on God's provision for us. And we should not have this attitude where we believe Jesus is some Santa Claus and that we can ask him for, for good things or, and, 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 and whatever we want. And we develop a heart that believes that God owes us. God owes us. Now, let me bring out a story. A couple of years ago, when I first came to church, there were these three Awana kids. Um, and these three Awana kids um, knew I had candy in my office. Um, you know, I, I like eating candy sometimes in the office. And so I had candy in my office. And these three Awana kids, um, they knew I had candy in my office. And when they came to me at the start, they were very sweet, right? They were very kind. They're very uh, grateful and, and saying stuff like, um, oh, Pastor Ben, you're our favorite. You're so cool. Um, so, you know, my heart became softer and softer. And, and, and they were grateful for any type of candy that I would hand out to them, any type. And this continued for a couple of months. But around half a year, their attitude started to change. They would come to me without saying hi or, or please. They would say, Ben, you owe us candy. Give us candy now. And as funny as this story is, it reminds me of our relationship when it comes to our father, doesn't it? Our heavenly father. We start off in, initially with loving God, grateful for all that he's given us, provided for us. But as we go on with our Christian lives, we start to forget his goodness and we start to have this sense of entitlement. God, I serve you at church. Give me what I want. God, I give you offering. Give me that promotion at work. Give me what I want. God, I'm the only one who serves at church. Give me what I want. You owe me, God. You see, though we may not openly confess this, but a lot of the times, deep down in our hearts, that's what we're thinking. God, I'm entitled to this. I, I came on time on, on Zoom. I came... To, I came on time to church. Hey, I helped out with you. I helped out with Awana. Hey, I prayed before having a meal. God, where's that promotion at work? How come my grades aren't getting any better? How come my parents are still fighting? God, I, I, I'm asking. I want this to be a reminder that we, as citizens in heaven, we can constantly look forward to the provision that the king brings to us. And we need to rid ourselves of any self-entitlement and constantly remind ourselves to be grateful for what God has already provided for us. Third, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have a future hope which helps us to preserve right now. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we have a future hope which helps you and I to preserve, persevere, sorry, persevere right now. You know, with the pandemic happening and the elections and rumors of war, you, it's fair to say that the world is going pretty crazy right now. And 
we've probably heard of people who have lost a loved one. I personally had two close members last year who were diagnosed with terminal cancer who have all passed away. Um, but I think it's really important to remind ourselves that whether we are in plenty or in need, that being a citizen of heaven not only gives us a future hope where there is no longer any suffering or pain or any tears, but it helps us to persevere right here, right now. This hope is not only for the future. This hope is something that can sustain us here. And we all know life is precious and it could be taken away from us at any moment. We, we could step outside and get hit by a car. We could get COVID and something could happen to us. And next week, the doctor could come and declare that we have terminal cancer. The truth is that we live for a short time here in these physical bodies. And that's why it's so important for us to look constantly for a future hope in this heavenly city. Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 11, 13, verse 16, it says this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have an opportunity to re return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All the different Bible characters who live by faith in a future hope also died in faith. All of them were seeking for a better country, which will be their true homeland. It caused them to persevere in a foreign land. Their determination in the face of trial was fueled by the desire for a better country, which is a heavenly one. These giants of faith in the past learned to trust God in their specific situations. They constantly look forward to a reward that was beyond their earthly inheritance. And not only does this bring us a future hope, but it helps us to persevere as Christians here on earth. Romans 8.18, Paul declares that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And agree, it's easy to lose heart. Some of us this year have, have all these things happening to us, whether it be our schooling, our work, our relationships. Um, some of us are, are not doing so well with mental health because of uh, being cooped up at home. Things don't seem like they're improving. Anxieties, uh, attacks just keep on wearing us down. A lot of us feel depressed a lot of the times. What Paul teaches us and what Paul reminds us is that, hey, this ultimate glory that you and I will receive is so marvelous that any suffering or hardship that we face here on earth is insignificant in comparison. So whatever we face on earth, first we have a future hope. But we have a hope now because God is with us and God gives us a heavenly home. And that's something that you and I can look forward to. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, for what is unseen is eternal. What Paul is saying is this. We do not need to re- uh, we do not need to focus on the present time, including its suffering and disappointments. Rather, we can constantly fix our gaze, our eyes on the glorious hope that will be realized in the age to come. And as we do this, God will recreate an inner person in us, even though our outer person is wasting away here on earth. We do not need to lose heart because we we can look forward to the future. And that truth of the heavenly home is able to sustain us and help us endure whatever hardships come our way here on earth. The key, I believe, to overcoming whatever suffering we face, whether small or large, is able to look at things in the long run. When we see things in light of eternity, then whatever situation or suffering we find ourselves in, it becomes more tolerable. I recently was uh, chatting with one of my aunties who, who, um, who suffered from terminal cancer. She had chemo after chemo, loss of hair to severe spinal cord pain. And she told me that she can bear with all this pain and suffering because she knows she will be with her God for the rest of eternity. And in that place, there will be no more pain, nor will there be any more suffering. So as I wrapped up today's message, I want to recap just a little bit. First, as citizens of God, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have a new homeland. Though we are part of this world, we are actually not part, we are not of this world. And God, even though God has placed us to be stewards of his creation and the way we ought to live ought to reflect that truth. However, we have an ultimate primary citizenship and that is in heaven. Second, as citizens of the kingdom of God, you and I can enjoy the provision of a king. If we seek God in all things, God will provide for all that we need. And that is a blessing that we receive from God. And we must always remember to be grateful for his provision. And third, as citizenship, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have a future hope which helps us to persevere right here, right now. The ultimate glory that you and I will receive is so marvelous that any suffering or hardship that we face here on earth is insignificant in comparison. There's this account in The Last Battle by C.S. Lewis. A jewel, the horse, one of the characters, describes a homecoming like this. He says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Dear friends, how do we get to this place? Well, we get to this place if we look to the cross. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross for our sins, because he was able to bear the punishment that we deserve, we are guaranteed a citizenship in heaven and in the very presence of God. And that is the place where we ultimately belong. That is our home. And that is the land that you and I have been searching for all our lives. And how is our heavenly passport sealed? It's sealed by the blood of Jesus. Nothing saves you but the blood of Jesus. The color of our passport is blood red. And our eternal visa has already been permanently stabbed in. And all believers can have this full confidence and deep comfort 
that because of Christ, he has prepared a place for all those who have placed their faith in him for all of eternity. So my prayer this morning for you at Home of Christ 4 is that each and every day we live our lives here in the city on earth, diligently working hard, knowing that every good thing comes from God, but we also need to refocus our hearts and minds constantly to a heavenly home where God in his almighty presence is waiting for you and I. And we need to come to that realization that this city that we're living in right now is not our home. And the city with God is the one that we've been looking for all our lives. You know, after being here in America for four years now, I admit, even though I'm 32, I still feel homesick. Right? A lot of people laugh and think it's funny. And because I'm 32, why am I still missing my mom? Why am I still missing my dad? Every time I share this with Ruth, my wife, about how I feel in my stomach, how I miss my parents. She's like, are you serious, Ben? You're 32, man. Grow up. It's time for you to be a man. But it got me thinking, you know, each and every one of us, we ought to feel homesick. We ought to feel homesick, knowing that while we are alive here on earth, we really, we aren't really at home yet. Because God has a special place waiting for us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you have reminded us that our citizenship is in heaven and nothing can take away that, nothing can take that citizenship away from us. Lord, help us to rely and trust in the cross of Christ where our passports and visas, our, our, our visas for all of eternity is stamped by the precious blood of Christ. Help us to refocus our minds and hearts for a heavenly city that no matter what happens here on earth, Lord, we can constantly look to you and we can constantly believe and, and hold on to that promise that we will be with you for all of eternity and the heavenly, and this, and the heavenly home that you have set up for us will be far greater and far more splendid and far more beautiful than anything that we can experience here on earth. Help bring that truth into a reality in our hearts. I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.